You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. And this brings me to a good point. As a victorious Christian, we need to follow God's way. We need to follow God's way for doing things. All of us have our own way. All of us think we know what is right and what is wrong. We think we know what we're to do. But it's God that directs our paths. It's God that guides our feet. It's God that guides our mouths and gives us opportunities to speak when He wants us to. But we need to look for what God wants to do. We all long to be victorious as Christians. No one aims to be defeated. As we study through Joshua, lessons and examples emerge that safeguard our hearts against personal and spiritual defeat. In today's study, Pastor Dave will show us how to live and what to avoid if we want to continually live in spiritual victory. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 19 with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio. Joshua 19. If you've been with us and been going along with us, you know that we started dividing the land way back in chapter 13. And it's taken us all these chapters for the land to finally be settled and finally be divided. We're looking at these scriptures through the eyes of the victorious Christian. And we're showing how Joshua was victorious and how we too can be victorious in Jesus Christ. We are going to be going two places today. See if you can take a finger or put a bookmark in Genesis 49. Stick a bookmark at Genesis 49. So, Joshua 19. Joshua 19. As I said last week, in chapter 18, we introduced the divisions of the lands to the remaining seven tribes of Israel And they began to use a different procedure. Joshua had sent them out, three people from each of the seven tribes, 21 in all, and they were to survey the land. They were to look for landmarks and they would look for various things. And then they were to come back and report that to Joshua. Then they would throw the lots and to determine what the Lord had for them. Now, all this was already prescribed to Moses. All this land was already divided, but it had to be codified, for lack of a better term, by the Lord. It had to be, be, be given to them by the Lord himself. So they're just following God's process. And this brings me to a good point. As a victorious Christian, we need to follow God's way. We need to follow God's way for doing things. All of us have our own way. All of us think we know what is right and what is wrong. We think we know what we're to do. But it's God that directs our paths. It's God that guides our feet. It's God that guides our mouths and gives us opportunities to speak when he wants us to. But we need to look for what God wants to do. Now, they could have just dispersed and said, you know, like a land rush. You remember all the old movies, the Oklahoma land rush? They have all 8 million people in horse and buggy and wagons are all on the line and they fire a cannon and off they go. The first come, first serve, and you get there and you put a stake in the land and it's yours. They could have done that. But see, God's way is not like that. God's way is not every man for himself. 
God's way is God first. And God is going to show you, show them what he wants you to have, what he wants you to, to have to prosper with. It's not out there looking for land and have somebody to grab it away from you. No, what God gives you, he gives you with a purpose. He gives you with a plan, knowing that it's going to better your life. Everything that God has given us for life and godliness through Christ Jesus has bettered our lives. I hope you feel that way. My life was horrible before Christ. And I look back on it and I shudder and I get crazy when I look back on it. But my life is so much better now. It's so much more wonderful. That doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. It doesn't mean there's not going to be difficulties. Because even as they took the land, they had to clean the land out. They had to fight other battles. They had to fight the enemy. But my life is so much better, even with the problems, even with the enemy, even with the things that I'm doing and fighting for the Lord. It's so much better than it once was. Don't you think God has your best interest in heart? Don't you think God knows what would please you? What, what, what you would want? Our job is to find what that, what that is. Pray. And allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and guide us and lead us. So that's what they did. They, they, they went into the land. They surveyed it. They found all the landmarks. Well, the, the ocean is here and the, and the Jordan River is here. And well, Benjamin's right there because Benjamin has already gotten his parcel. And Judah's there. And, and we know that the two and a half tribes, well, we know where everything is. So this is what we want to do. So they came back and they went there. And we saw at the end of chapter 18 that Benjamin received his inheritance. The tribe of Benjamin has gotten their parcel of land. Benjamin sits in between Ephraim and Judah. And we talked about all the great, wonderful cities in the tribe of Benjamin, in the land that Benjamin had gotten. And uh, we know that Saul, the very first king of Israel, came. He was a Benjamite. He came from the tribe of Benjamin and, of course, the Apostle Paul from the tribe of Benjamin. So we we talked about that. So now, in chapter 19, the six remaining tribes are going to receive their allotment as per the Lord's command. And although there's much information and statistics here, and if you read through this, it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to fall asleep as you read through all these names and and places, and you're reading and reading. It's like, it's a real yawner, you know what I mean? There's not a lot of things going, a great list of characters, but there's not a lot of activity going on. But what I hope to do is glean out some interesting facts that I dug up and I was able to find and then apply them to our lives as victorious Christians. And as I said, we're going to be used in Genesis 49. Genesis 49 is when Jacob is on his deathbed and he calls all his sons before him. We've already talked about that when Joseph brought Ephraim and Manasseh. We've already talked about that. Well, during this time, Jacob then blesses all his sons. And in those blessings, they actually become prophecies because we're going to see... Some of those things come to light in what we're going to read today as we look and glean from those things. So let's look at verses 1 through 9. And, you know, I might skip some names and stuff because I don't want to stumble over them, but we'll go through. Joshua 19, verse 1. The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the children of Simeon according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. They had the inheritance of Beersheba, Sheba, Moladah, Hazar, Shaul, Bala, Ezem, and a whole bunch of other people. 
Down in verse 8, all the villages that were all around these cities as far as Badalath Be'er, Ramoth to the south. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. The inheritance of Simeon, the children of Simeon, was included in the share of the children of Judah, for the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. Judah was a very strong and powerful tribe. And if you look at the blessing and the prophecy that Jacob gives to Judah, he tells him he's going to be a lion. And he's going to, the scepter will never pass from his hand. And all of the kings come from Judah. And we know the greatest king of all comes from Judah, and that's Jesus Christ. But history tells us that Simeon basically disappears. It basically becomes swallowed up. Many believe there's a reason for that. Simeon was the second born. And he had a third born brother by the name of Levi. And they received basically the same blessing. And if you look in Genesis 49, if you look at verse 5, it says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. What is he talking about? He's talking about an incident that happened in Genesis, in Genesis 34, when they had a sister named Dinah, and she was raped, and they went And they forced the man to marry her. And he said he wanted to marry her. And he had ulterior motives for marrying her. And you can read all about it in Genesis 34. But what they did was, they said to the man, okay, in order for you to marry our sister, all of your guys have to be circumcised. And they agreed to it. The men of Shechem agreed to it. And they all were circumcised. And It takes a long time when you circumcise an adult male for him to recover from this. And during that time, Simeon and Levi came in there and they killed him. They killed him. So this dishonored Jacob. It dishonored him for the way they treated them. They were getting revenge for their sister. But it dishonored Jacob. And that's what he's talking about in this prophecy. In his weakness, he did nothing. He registered a a really small complaint in Genesis 34.30. But the Lord remembered this event. The Lord remembered this event. And and what I'm getting from this is that our sins from our past sometimes come back and haunt us. And sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of those sins, even though they may be forgiven sins. And when I think of this, I think of my own life and sins that I remember all the time. And it's like a weight on my shoulder, but I know they're forgiven. But I think of the man David, the King David, who sinned horribly against the Lord. The indiscretion with Bathsheba, committing adultery with her. She became pregnant. Then he tried to hide the pregnancy by having her husband come home from battle. And he wanted to have him lay with his wife so that he could get around the pregnancy. But Uriah, being an honorable man, said, wait a minute, I'm a captain. All my guys are out on the front line, battle. I can't do this. What an honorable man he was. What an honorable guy he was. So David went to his captain and said, when the battle comes, put Uriah up front. So basically, David consented to the death of Uriah. Well, when this was found out, 
God told him that you are going to suffer greatly for this. You are going to suffer mightily for this. And all through David's life, he suffered because of this sin. Although God forgave him, the baby that he and Bathsheba had, the first one died. Absalom and all the brothers, his daughter was raped. And all the other things that happened to the family, you can read through it. It's horrible. But David, God says, was a man after his own heart. Wow. Why? Because he accepted what God had for him. And he never stopped praising his Lord. He never stopped serving his Lord. And he always remembered his Lord, his God. Even though God had told him these things were going to happen to you. And even when David numbered the Israelites, when he wasn't supposed to number them a second time, he numbered them. And God said, okay, I'm going to have to punish you. And he gave him a list of things that were going to happen. He could choose. And David had to choose the punishment. And he was responsible for so many men dying again. But God called him a man after his own heart. Because David accepted the consequences and was true in his heart to God. He wrote those words, a broken and contrite heart I will not despise. Cursed be their anger, Jacob said, about Levi and Simeon. The real problem was their anger. They slew the man in anger. And the anger was sin because it was rooted in their selfishness and their self-will. And they hamstrung the ox. The Bible speaks of ungodly anger. It also speaks of godly anger in the great book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, 26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. And then it speaks of ungodly anger. In Ephesians 4, 31, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger be put away from you. Often, the difference between godly and righteous anger is ungodly anger is self-will. It's a selfishness that we have deep within us and that anger. We talk to people about anger. How do you stop your mouth? You keep your tongue behind the cage. It's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do because when you're angry, the first thing you want to do is you want to lash out. You want to lash out. It's very, very difficult. It says, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. It's very difficult. Very difficult. The Christian who's living a victorious life should avoid ungodly anger. We should avoid it. At all costs, we should always try to avoid it. And folks, it's just not easy sometimes. It's just not easy sometimes. But only by yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit can we do this. Only by allowing the Holy Spirit full realm of our life can this happen. And you can be going along so good controlling your anger. And then somebody cuts you off on the highway and boom, you've lost it. You're done. Satan knows how to get to you. He knows how to make you fall. Jacob says, I'm going to divide them and scatter them. And the prophecy of dividing and scattering turned out to be a curse for Simeon. It turned out to be a curse for Simeon because he was swallowed up. The tribe of Simeon basically became no more. He became the weakest and numerical because at one time, he was one of the largest tribes. Simeon was one of the largest tribes at one time. But he lost about 63% of his people during the wanderings. I will scatter them. The prophecy became a curse for Simeon, but it became a blessing for Levi. Remember Levi? 
He didn't get an inheritance because God was his inheritance. Simeon got swallowed up. Levi got the Lord. Now you might be scratching your head and said, wait a minute here. There's some, some disparity upon this one, Dave. The sovereignty of God. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion, and I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. The sovereignty of God. Both were scattered, but one was a blessing and the other one was a curse. So as we move on, we come to the tribe of Zebulon. The tribe of Zebulon. The third lot came out of the children of Zebulon, according to their families, and the border of their inheritance was as far as Sarid. The border went down the west, and the Maralah went to that town, and then extended along the brook that is east of Jopkinin. Then from Sarded it went eastward toward the sunrise along the border of Chizoth Tabor. This was the inheritance of the children of Zebulon, according to the families, these cities with their villages. Zebulon. They were given the area between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean. Once again, according to Jacob's prophecy. If you look at Jacob's prophecy for Zebulon, verse 13, Zebulon shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. So I went online and I started searching through other maps. And there are other maps that have Zebulon touching the Sea of Galilee. And they have Zebulon also touching the Mediterranean Sea. There are other maps that show this. So if you take those maps, then, then Jacob's prophecy would come true. All right? But what was the tribe of Zebulon known for? They were known for their faithfulness. They were known for their faithfulness to David because when David needed an army, it was the tribe of Zebulon that sent the most men to King David to fight the wars. First Chronicles 12, 33. Of Zebulun, there were 50,000 who went to battle, expert in war with all the weapons, stout-hearted men who would keep the ranks. They were faithful. And this is one thing we as victorious Christians should avoid. Unfaithfulness. We should be faithful. Faithful in everything that the Lord has given us. Faithful with our money. Faithful with our spouses. Faithful with our families. Faithful with whatever we do. We know that God has given us this faithfulness and wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be good stewards of that which He has given us. We've received here at Calvary Chapel an abundance I want to be able to use it according to God's word. I don't want to be one of those men that God gave the one talent to and he dug a hole and stuck it in there and said, well, I know you're a hard man, so I stuck it in a hole and here it is. Jesus didn't like that so much. He railed against them. He said, hey, God, yeah, wait, you, you at least couldn't put it in a bank and get interest? So he took what he had and gave it to one of the other guys. And then there was weeping and bad dental work gnashing of teeth. I don't want to be one of those guys. I want to be one who's considered faithful. You're faithful in the little things, and God will make you faithful in the many things, in the much. But we must be faithful. First of all, faithful to our God. Faithful to Him. And then, faithful to His people. Faithful to one another. To love one another. That's, That's the second commandment that Jesus said. 
He said, these are the best commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, body, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these rest the entire Ten Commandments. You don't need any more. Do those and you'll do well. That's what we're called to do. So as I'm trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me, I can love others and I I can show that love to others. I want to be considered faithful. Unfaithfulness is a horrible trait. It's a horrible trait. And I would never want that to be hung on me or any of you or on Calvary Chapel as a whole. Oh, they're unfaithful. They don't do what they say they're going to do. It's horrid. It's horrid. In verses 17 through 23, we come to the land of Iskachar. Iskachar. Let's butcher this. The fourth lot came out of Iskachar for the children of Iskachar according to their families. And their territory went to Jezreel and included Chezeloth, Shunem, Haparin, Shinon, Anarath, Rabbith, Kishon, Abez, Remeth, El... Ah, forget it. And the border reached Tabor and those places. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Iskatar, according to their families, the cities, and their villages. I'm not trying to belittle God's word, please. They're very difficult to pronounce. Let's look at the prophecy. Look at the prophecy of Jacob in chapter 49 for Iskatar. Verse 14 and 15. 14 and 15. Ishkatar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw the rest was good and that the land was pleasant. And he bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Says he's strong as an ox, but he's lazy. He's strong as an ox, but he's lazy. And thus the characteristic of the tribe of Ishkatar was one that they were so strong, but yet they were lazy, and they were so lazy that they ended up being servants. They ended up being slaves in servitude. Ishkatar was a large tribe. It was third in size. And because of their size and abundance, they were often targets of aggressive armies that came in, and they put them to servitude, and thus they became a band of slaves. And it's very interesting about this, Their land is south of the Sea of Galilee, and it's in a magnificent, fertile valley. It's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful valley, and it's known as the Valley of Jezreel, a gorgeous, beautiful plain. Anybody know what it's going to be called? Armageddon. It's Megiddo, plain of Megiddo. The Battle of Armageddon will take place there. Victorious Christians, we must avoid laziness. We must avoid being slothful. We must avoid being the appearance of being lazy. This is what happened to this tribe. And they became servants. They became servants because they were overtaken by so many others. That's all the time we have for today on Cape Watch Radio. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you and that you've learned more about God's faithfulness throughout history and in your own life as well. Be sure to join us next time as Pastor Dave continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Joshua. We here at Cape Watch Radio would like to invite you to listen to more messages from Pastor Dave by visiting our website at capewatchradio.com. 
All Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. That website again is capewatchradio.com. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, just send us an email with today's date to info at capewatchradio.com or give us a call at 609-884-5821. That number again is 609-884-5821. We'd also love to know more about you and find out how we can pray for you as you continue on your journey of faith. Sometimes we all need a little extra prayer. We're so glad you joined us today on Cape Watch Radio. We'd like to encourage you to keep studying the Word of God and making Him a priority in your day. We pray that as you continue to learn more about the God-infused journey of the nation of Israel in the book of Joshua, that God will show you the blessings and promises He has for your life. And be sure to join us again right here on Cape Watch Radio. 